Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Jesus' words have been the Assemblies of God's driving vision since its earliest days. In 1914, the Second General Council's 300 delegates committed themselves in the AG movement to the greatest evangelism the world has ever seen. Within one century, the Assemblies of God grew from a few hundred like-minded believers to 67 million, nearly 1% of the world's population. During the first 100 years of our movement, the Assemblies of God ministered in 190 countries, sent 5,500 missionaries, and gave nearly $5 billion toward the fulfillment of this great evangelism vision. But with the world's continued population growth, the harvest fields have expanded exponentially. Since 1914, humanity has grown from 1.7 billion people on the planet to 7.7 billion people. Billions have yet to hear the message of Christ and are still without a church in their language, their culture, or their proximity. Multitudes of seculars, Buddhists, Hindus, animists, Jews and Muslims have never met someone with a living faith. All need to hear the life-giving gospel message. All need to hear of the grace of God. How will we reach the remaining billions who have never heard the gospel? The simple answer, we can't. But God can. Jesus said, I will build my church. And he has been doing so. Weekly communities of faith gather together in Iran and Northern Asia, in Mali and Cuba, in Albania, in Myanmar, in tens and thousands of communities across this globe. To date, AGWM and partnering national churches have established 370,000 local churches. In the next hundred years, could we believe for God to multiply the 165,000 students training for ministry in AGWM Bible schools? Can we pray in faith that God will double nearly 2,700 AGWM workers and the 4,100 global workers from other national churches serving internationally today? What if one million prayer partners in the U.S. churches daily interceded for the work? Our vision rests on our confidence in God. God's faithfulness in the past will continue in the years to come. Together, let's recommit to the greatest evangelism the world has ever seen. Amen. Amen. Can we pray right now for this sermon? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we've worshipped you. We've sung praises to you. And you, you gave us the gifts of the Holy Spirit today. Thank you. We've received an offering. We had some special announcements. And, but now, Lord, it's time for you to really speak to us through your word. Lord, bless this message, anointed with your Holy Spirit, that, that your word will go forward like a double-edged sword that it will it'll pierce our heart today, change us for the better. And uh, we welcome your Holy Spirit, Lord, to teach us what we need to know. Lord, let me speak it the way you want. Let it be heard the way you want. Let it be applied the way you want. And Lord, in the whole process, be glorified. We thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I have to tell you that uh, at the early service, I got halfway through the message. And so I'm going to try to, well, I want to do the same thing this time. Uh, so uh, pray that we end. <laughs> pray that we end properly and get ready for communion at the end of this message. So no, November is Missions Month at the church. Uh, every year at this time, we we talk about missions. We have missionaries come to speak to us. Um, this year, November the thirteenth, is our mission celebration. Again, sign up with Esther if you haven't. Uh, that Friday night on the last Friday of the. I'm sorry, the last Sunday of the month, the 29th, I think it is, uh, we, we uh, will be receiving our Faith Promise pledge cards. 
So we'll be asking you to be thinking about it, praying about it. How much will the Lord bless you with financially that you could give towards our missions program in 2021? Um, So every year we do this. We set our budget. The budget is about $20,000 a year or more uh, regarding missions. So uh, we... uh, We've set aside this month, and every month, every Sunday this month, uh, we'll be sharing a message about missions. Let me just highlight some of the things that we just heard in that video. In 1914, at the Second General Council of the Assemblies of God, they made a proclamation that this will be the greatest evangelism the world has ever seen. And so they began in 1914 with 300 believers in Hot Springs, Arkansas. 1914. Today, in 2020, there's 67 million Assemblies of God people all over the world. Can I just say something about that? Jesus said, go into all the world and preach, right? But he also said, don't go until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they went out and they preached. And so this Assembly of God Pentecostal movement miraculously has gone from 300 people to 67 million people in 106 years. That is an absolute astounding miracle of God to do that in these days. So God has anointed this fellowship. We're not the only ones, but has anointed this fellowship. Uh, We are now in 190 countries. There's 5,500 missionaries that go forward. And the Assemblies of God has has put $5 billion into missions in the last 106 years. And you may say, how do you know that? Can I tell you? They keep track. They keep track of their records. They have financial records. Every penny we give to the Assemblies of God, the treasurer down there in Springfield, Missouri, Missouri keeps track of what comes in and what goes out. So $5 billion has gone out supporting missionaries all over the world. In 1914, there were 1.7 billion people in the world. In 2020, there's 7.7 billion people in the world. We've grown tremendously in that 100 years. But that means there's billions of people now that have never heard the name of Jesus. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And let me just throw in a little commentary. Jesus will build his church no matter who's president of the United States. Right? Jesus will build his church wherever and however he can do it. He will do it. It's a promise in the word of God. But today we have churches now in Iran, northern Asia, which is China, Mali, Cuba, Albania, Myanmar, and, and different, all different uh, countries all over the, the world. There's 370,000 local Assembly of God churches worldwide. There's 165,000 Bible students in the foreign world area that are studying to be preachers. And we're trusting God for a million, a million prayer warriors in the United States to pray that this great commission would come to fruition during our lifetime. Which brings us to Luke chapter 24. So we're going to start at verse number 44, 24, 44. Jesus, at this point, had lived his three-year ministry. He was crucified on the cross. He died. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. And he was appearing to people over a 40-day period before he ascended into heaven. This story, this account picks up right before he ascended into heaven, after the 40 days on the earth. So he says in verse number 44... And by the way, I've entitled the message today, Go, Send, Really? Really in this time of pandemic? Really in this time of, you know, health crisis and this time of social problems and racial unrest and violence in our streets? This time of the fires and the hurricanes all over the country? This time of political hatred that's going on? The answer is absolutely, this is the best time to go and send people into the harvest field. Absolutely. So Jesus says in verse number 44, he says, he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the the Psalms concerning me. 
So Jesus, I'm going to just make commentary as we go along. Jesus is saying, look, I'm continuing the message that I started with you three years ago. Everything I said and done lines up with the law of Moses, with the prophets, and with the Psalms. Think of the prophets like Isaiah and Daniel and Hosea and Ezekiel and, and Daniel, all proclaiming the, the coming one, the, the Messiah is going to come. But he's saying everything that I've said and done lines up with the law of Moses, because the law of Moses brings us, brings us to an end of the beginning of Christ and the prophets and the Psalms. And the Psalms, the Messianic Psalms are, are wonderful uh, remembrances of the promises in God's word that a Savior is coming. He says in verse 45, then he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. I wonder how many could say that you've had that. I've had understanding and comprehending the scriptures. I mean, there's times when I read a passage and I say, Lord, I don't get this. Lord, enlighten me. Give me something here. I don't get it. And sure enough, the Holy Spirit will come and enlighten us. So he, so. Luke says, Jesus opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. These are all Jewish men, by the way. They knew the law of Moses. They knew the prophets. They knew the Psalms. And Jesus is now, from that, telling them, I'm the one that they were all talking about. And he said in verse number 46, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. I love those two verses, 46 and 47. So Jesus did 46, and he commands the church to do 47. Jesus died and was resurrected the third day, and he's commanding the church to go and and proclaim repentance and remission of sins in his name. In his name. Remember last month we talked all about the name of Jesus. There's power in the name. There's salvation in the name. There's deliverance in the name. There's healing in the name. Now there's proclamation in the name of Jesus. We can't proclaim Christ on our own behalf, in our own name. No one's going to listen to us. No one's going to care what, you, what we have to say. But we say it in the name of Jesus. It has a certain unction and a certain authority. He says in verse number 48 then, he says, you're witnesses of these things. In other words, what he means by that is Jesus is saying, look, you guys, they'll talk in our vernacular, you guys understand. You know me. You, you heard me. You saw the miracles. You saw my death and resurrection. You get this. You, you get your calling. You're witnesses of uh, what God wants you to do. So now go into all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. But verse 49 comes, and we all, we Pentecostals, we really appreciate verse 49. Go, but don't go just yet. You wait in the city of Jerusalem until the promise of my Father comes. The promise of my Father is referencing the work of the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. Yes, you're saved by the Holy Spirit. In John 20, Jesus already breathed on his apostles and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was in them. But now he says, don't go out and do this until you're endued with power from on high by the Holy Spirit, the promise of my Father. So what do they do? They wait for 10 days. In Acts 1 and 2, they wait in Jerusalem in the upper room. And Acts chapter 2 comes and they're sitting there waiting, praying in unity, waiting on the Lord. They hear this sound like a rushing mighty wind coming through the place where they are. They see what looks like cloven tongues alighting on their heads and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in other tongues. And now they're empowered to go forth and proclaim this message of uh, repentance and remission in the name of sin, in the name and authority of Jesus. What a beautiful message it is. Come on. Don't you remember when you first heard the message of the cross? I remember when it made sense to me. When I finally got to the end of myself and realized, oh God, this is all, this is it. I see the light. I get it. I can't be good enough. I can't fix myself. Oh God, thank you for showing me the way. Repentance. Remission of sins that would weigh me down. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. You feel bad all the time. You feel, you feel messed up. You feel burdened all the time. We're not designed to carry those things. We give it over and he saves us. Hallelujah. He, he delivers us. So, so, thou, so then the church was then ready to go forward and proclaim this message. 
we hear in other, other scriptures, go, preach, teach, make disciples, baptize, go and preach every creature. And the church has been doing that ever since. Hallelujah. And we are to do that until he comes. And like I, we, we keep saying and hearing during this season of life that we're in in 2020, everyone I talk to says 2020 is the worst year ever. On one hand, it is. But on another hand, it's the best year ever because it's making everybody think about God. And and for that reason, it's a good year, right? Hallelujah. So I wanted to take a minute and give you uh, the mission statement of the Assemblies of God. There's a lot of new people here. Some of you on live stream may not know what the mission of the Assemblies of God is. So I'm going to take a minute and give you the, uh, the threefold mission statement of the Assemblies of God. Personal to our church. But the first uh, aspect of the mission statement of the Assemblies of God, since you're all you know, attending an Assembly of God church, this is important for you to know. We are, we are designed or endeavoring to be an agency to evangelize the world. That's the bottom line. We want to evangelize the world. We, we hear the Great Commission. We, we hear the Lord. We, we sense the Holy Spirit. We know the joy of getting saved. And we want somebody else to have the same joy. And so we, 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 we are created, the Assemblies of God was created in 1914 to be an agency uh, to evangelize the world. So we are, in case you're wondering, we're evangelical. If you're wondering, we're Pentecostal, hallelujah. We're fundamental, hallelujah. But we're grounded in the Word of God. And we send people out to preach the word and to establish churches and to establish ministries starting in Haverhill, which is our Jerusalem, to the outermost parts of the world, which is over in China or wherever. We have missionaries all over the world. Our, our local church does. But the Assemblies of God, anyway, exists to be, a, to be a, a tool that God would use to evangelize the world, the world. Number two is that we would be a corporate body by which man may worship God. You ever notice that we spend a lot of time worshiping God around here? That's by design, you know. I want to be, no, and the people tell me, you're, you're, you're the, the church that always worships the Lord for a long time. I say, yeah, I guess so. I want to be known for, uh, as a people of God, a people of God that worship God. I don't want to be known for a political church. I don't want to be known for a social, I mean, we'll do social things, we'll do political, but we're, we should be known as a people that worship God. And when we come to church, we worship God first. That's what we do. And we don't just sing three songs and we're out. You know what I mean? We, we wait on the Lord. We, 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 you know, we allow the Lord to move and to respond to the praises of his people. So every assembly of God, at least, you know, in our, in our, in our doctrines, we want to create a place where mankind could worship God. I think this is a great thing. My, my problem is, I wish I knew about this when I was five years old instead of 26. It could have saved me a lot of hassle in my life if I knew that I could have gone somewhere to worship God. Because I always wanted to, you know, I always had a desire to do something with God. I never knew where to go. So my personal mission in life is to make everybody know that I can, that we, at least our church, I, all I can do is control what goes on here, that we worship God here. And that alone will touch people's hearts because people want to worship God. They don't know how. They don't know where. But we want to be a place, and we are, that people can simply worship God. And then thirdly, we want to be a place where, uh, where we are a channel of God's purpose to build up the body of Christ. So we're, we're preaching. We're teaching. We're doing the ordinances of the church, which is communion and water baptism. We're dedicating babies. We're marrying people. We're conducting uh, Christian funer- funerals and memorial services. We're doing all the things to help build up and establish the local body of Christ. And we're raising up leaders and sending people out to do a work, whether it's here or somewhere else. There's a whole list of people that over the years that we've had here for a little while. And after a year or two or three, we send them out to do a work. Some, some rise up here and stay here and do a work in the community. But that's part of what we do. We build up the body of Christ. 
So this is the mission statement of the Assemblies of God. Let me give you the mission statement of New Life Christian Assembly of God. Um, if you've been here for a while, you know that our mission statement has expanded. It used to be one word. The one word was grow. How many remember grow? All right, a lot of you do. Now we have three words. Seek, grow, build. So if someone says to you, what does your church do? What are you all about? You say, well, we seek, grow, build. And they say, what do you mean? And then you have to take a few minutes and explain what it means. So I'm going to tell you what it means in case you don't know or in case you need a refresher. We are a church that endeavors to, uh, to be welcoming of people that are seeking God. I, I want to have a church where the unsaved or the pre-saved or the yet-to-be-saved feel comfortable coming into this place. It, when the Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin, that's another story. But I want people to feel comfortable coming into this place to seek God. As in Matthew 7, 7, seek and you will find. I think a lot of people in our community are seeking God. So I want to be a church where people can seek after God and find God. But with that, I want to be a, a place where, where Christians can come and seek God and grow deeper in the things of God. As in Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things that you're worried about will be added to you. So we want to be a fellowship where people can seek God, whether unsaved or saved, and get saved and grow deeper. And then we want to be a place where people grow. It's an acronym. That's why there's capital letters. I wonder how many of you remember those four aspects of grow. We want to be a place where people get grounded in the word. We want to be a place where people build relationships with one another. You know why? Because people are important. Jesus died for people. So we want to value people that walk through this door and build relationship with them and help them in their spiritual journey. Oh, we want to be outreach oriented. We do local outreaches or we support missions work all over the world. And W, we want to worship God with passion. And the scripture reference we use there is 1 Timothy 3.15. When Paul was telling Timothy, he said, you know, Timothy, the church is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. The local church is so important to the community to be a pillar and a foundation of the truth of God's word. So we want to help people get established in the word, build relationships, have a vision of going outreach and worshiping the Lord in that whole process. And I think we'll be on the right track. And then thirdly, we want to be a church that helps people build their lives upon the rock of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in that scripture in, uh, in Matthew uh, 24, he said, don't be like the foolish man that builds his house upon the sand. When the rains come, the storm and the, the house will be destroyed. But build your house upon the rock. And when the rains and storm comes, that rock will still be standing. Note that the storm's going to come whether your house is on the rock or the sand. But we want to help people build their house upon the rock of Jesus Christ. And we see it all the time. We see many people come in that are broken. That have family confusion and different things in relationships. We want to be there to help them build their lives upon the rock of Jesus Christ. And there's always room for one more at this place of the rock. And there's no one too bad or too far gone that God can't fix. We want to be a part of that process to help people grow and establish their walk with God. And another sidelight of the building aspect is that we also want to be a church that has a vision for the future. And we'd like to build a new facility that would have a better a kitchen, a better eating area, a better classroom situation where we can better fulfill the call of God on our lives. That vision is still alive. So seek, grow, build. We want to be a church that's out there doing what the Lord has really, really called us to do. So now at this point, I, I want to ask a question. And I want to, the question I want to ask is, do you see this? Do you, do you see it with your spiritual eye? Do you see that it's important to support missions? That really we exist to fulfill the Great Commission. And if we ever, if we ever have any degree of success in this church, I'll give you two reasons why that is. The first reason why that would be true. If we have any degree of success in this church... It's because there's a group of people that pray every Monday night, right over here. Every Monday night, they're praying for this church. 
And secondly, it's because we put a strong emphasis on missions work because missions is the heart of God. And God blesses churches that support missions. So if we do anything, we should do these two things, and we are, and God is blessing us. So if we have any degree of success, it's because we're obeying what the Lord has called His people to do. But I, I want to spend a little bit of time on, on this, next, this next aspect, because if you don't see it, you'll never understand why any pastor or any church would ask you to contribute to missions. So I want you to go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. And um, he says some very powerful things here that I believe are very pertinent to our situation at this time in history. Not only with the election coming up, but just at this time in history regarding missions. But he says in 2 Corinthians 6, in verse number, uh, verse number 14. He says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelief. Well, I'm going to have to make some comments here because otherwise it gets a little confusing. The, the key word in that first sentence is yoked. Don't be unequally yoked with non-belief. In other words, your best, closest associates cannot be non-believers, but you have to have non-believers in your life to witness to them and win them to Christ. And you will have non-believers in your life because your family and your workplace and all this. The key word is you, you can't expect to, to progress in your faith if your closest, closest comrades are unbelievers that are critical of your faith. Because their belief system will rub off on you probably in a negative way unless you could win them over to the Lord. But don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness or righteousness and sin? So what, what, what communion has light with darkness? The answer is none. They don't mix. It's like oil and water. They don't mix together. What accord has Christ with Belial? Belial is Satan. So what, what, what accord? What relationship? There's no relationship. They are at total opposites of each other. On what, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Well, the only part that we have with an unbeliever is to love them into the kingdom of God and befriend them. But we can't allow them to influence our walk. We've seen it too many times. The scripture says corrupt values, corrupt minds influence the believer many times. But we can't allow that to happen. We need to have unsaved people in our lives, absolutely. But we need to be strong enough to lead them to the cross. So, what agreement has a, has a temple of God with idols? Like false idols, none. For you are the temple of the living God. Like, like he says in Romans, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Think about it. The Spirit of God lives in you. It lives in me. If you're born again, you've got the Spirit of God in you. Hallelujah. Your body is now a temple of the Holy Spirit. Before it was a temple of something else. Not going there today. But now it's a temple of the Holy Spirit. So he, he, now he's quoting some Old Testament. I will dwell, the God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them, and he and be separated, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. All that to say, if we want to get a heart for missions and a, and a mind for missions and a mind for what Christ has done, we cannot think like the world thinks. It will never make any sense. Just like way back in the day when someone told me about tithing. I told you this before. They told me about tithing. I said, what's tithing? He said, well, you give 10% of your income. I said, that can't be right. Someone must have made a mistake. He said, no, that's not a mistake. And then whatever else you give is on top of the 10%. I said, really? He said, yes, that's the word of God. Made no sense. And I was saved, brand new Christian. I didn't understand it. But if we want to understand the principles in God's word, we've got to step out from among the non-believers. And we all have them, and we're all influenced by things in our past or our present. But God is saying today, you know what? If you want the mind of Christ, you can't live there anymore. 
You can't think like that, do like that, act like that. You've got to step out from among them. So that means pride has to be broken. Ego has to be broken. Sexual immorality has to be broken. Vices, addictions, drunkenness has to be broken. Our affinity is now linked with Jesus Christ. We cannot serve two masters. We can't serve God in money. We can't serve God in self. It's not going to work. We need to step out, come out from among them, and join in with believers. And there are two different worlds altogether. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. This isn't on the board. If you want to write these down, you can. But 1 Peter 2.10 says, Once we were not a people, but now we're the people of God. Listen, we may not have a whole lot in common, but what we have in common is you and I are the people of God that are fellowshipping in this church. We're related eternally. Once we weren't a people, once we could care less, I could care less about this whole movement, this whole Christian, I could care less about it. But now I, I am part of the movement of God. I'm, a, I'm one of the people of God. And so are you. Hebrews 12, 23 says that now, right now, our names are registered in heaven. Well, my official address is 980 Main Street, Haverhill, Mass. But my real address is somewhere in heaven. The Lord is preparing a place for me to live. And once that place is ready, guess what? We're out of here. But the scripture says we are now registered in heaven. Hebrews 13, 14 says, now we have no continuing city. We're waiting for the new city. What does that mean? We're waiting for New Jerusalem to come. That's what that means. We're not waiting for Boston to be renovated or New York City or Chicago to be all fixed up, ready to go. There's no continuing city. We're waiting for a new city to come. The New Jerusalem. Philippians 3.20 says, Our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's why when we want to, when we, when we vote on Tuesday, we have to think as a citizen of heaven that's just living temporarily on earth. We have to have the mind of Christ to vote with a spiritual will and a spiritual conscience. So we need to step out, come out from among them, get away from all of that, and step into the body of Christ. And I can tell you, after being part of the body of Christ for as long as I have been, me and Pamela, the body of Christ is a fantastic organization. It's so diverse, it makes you laugh. It's so diverse, it, it'll, it may drive you crazy at times, but we're all struggling for the same thing. It's a unique place to be in, this body of Christ. You could get it in North Carolina, you could get it in Tennessee, you could get it here in Massachusetts. It's all the same, but it's all different, but we're all striving for the same thing. And the Lord is saying to us, if we really want to get this whole thing about missions, you've got to come out. You can't think the way you used to think. So... We, we are now entering into the body of Christ where there's all different types of people, young people, old people, rich people, poor people, sick people, healthy people, black people, white people, brown people, skilled people, unskilled people, educated people, non-so-educated people. And the Lord is saying, come out from all that garbage and step into this wonderful body of Christ that has been delivered by the blood of the Lamb. And so it's, it's an amazing thing when you think about it, that God is, God is beseeching us. He's saying, you can't live the way you used to live and live for me too. You can't do it. It'll drive you crazy. You'll, you'll, not, you'll not make it. You've got to step out away. So I thought about that. I thought about for myself, and I want to be personal here, but everyone has your own personal little thing to deal with. I love where I come from in New York. I love the food. Eggplant, parm on a hard roll. I love the food. I love the culture. I love the whole thing down there. I love going to see my old friends. I know the neighborhoods. I know the whole deal. I love it. I love it. I love it. But God is telling me, I've got to get out of my New Yorkness. I could visit and, you know, say hello. But I can't, I can't have that mindset because my mindset is on the Lord. On the downside, most of the people I know in New York are not... Well, I'm on, I'm on the live stream. I better be careful. <laughs> I'm just saying, I've got to get out of my New Yorkness. Well, I've been in New England for 25 years. Guess what? I've got to get out of my New Englandness if I want to reach the world with this gospel. I've got to get out of, out of my Italian Americanness. 
I've got to get out of my Americanness. I've got to get out of my color. I've got to get out of my culture, my, 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 uh, my nationality. I've got to get out of my comfort zone. And enter into the world of the redeemed, the world of the delivered, the world of the, of the, of the, of the saved and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've trained, it's all, I'm all of those things, but now I'm covered by the blood of Christ. I'm that, but I'm way more than that. Now. And so whatever you are, whatever you have, you gotta let go of all of that, and now you belong to Christ. And God will use you in your culture and, and all that. I, I believe in all that too. But ultimately, primarily, you're a child of the king. You're a child of the king. And you, I, I love when people say, I'll, I'll use the Italian thing. Oh, I'm like that way because I'm Italian. Oh, really? At this point, I'm ready to say, give me a break. I know, I know people, I won't say where they're from. I know people from every different country that say exactly the same thing. I'm that way because I'm... No, you're that way because you're a sinner and you're working on your salvation. It's not because of that. So we're all in the same boat and we're all, you know, we're all trying to change it. But we could never live both in both worlds. It's not going to happen. So at this point is where I kind of stopped the, the message this morning. Because I wanted to go into what our purpose is here as far as missions. Did everyone get a handout, by the way? Everyone get one of these? Anyone need one? Raise your hand if you do. Okay, a couple of hands. I want everyone to get one of these. I was going to take time to go over each name, but I'll do it next week, Lord willing. But I want you to get this list of the missionaries that we support, and I want you to pray for them. And uh, bring it back next week if you can. But as you can see, we have 11 home missionaries. We have uh, 22 foreign missionaries. And... uh, let me tell you something else. We have right now, I think, seven additional missionaries that are waiting to hear from us to see if we could support them in 2020, 2021. So, I'm going to ask you to be praying because at the end of the month, we're going to collect the pledge cards to see how much money we could pledge for next year to support all of these missionaries and hopefully a few more. So at this time, we need to transition into communion. I want to have communion before we go. And I would like for communion to be a time to renew our commitment to the Lord, to renew our commitment to serve the Lord until He comes, and to renew our commitment to missions. Amen? So I think, do we have a song right here, James? Why don't we, why don't we show this video and... Uh, We'll come back and we'll get ready for communion. Does anyone need the little cup? Uh, Raise your hand. Those of you at home, please take a minute, get some juice or some water and a cracker or a piece of bread, and uh, we'll have communion in about three or four minutes. Stay. 
It's wonderful to be redeemed. It's, it's a wonderful experience to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. It's a fantastic experience. Because that opens the door to everything. We now have a relationship with Almighty God through Christ. That's amazing. But we wake up every morning and we know the scripture that his grace is new every morning. His spirit is willing every day to walk with us. And he's done a lot. The Lord has done a lot. You know, he's given us, he died for our sins. He has forgiven us of our sins. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the word of God. He's given us the body of Christ. But yet he tells us, now that he's done all that, he tells us, now you go. You go live a holy life. You tell others about me. But Lord, I can't live a holy life. I've died for your sins. I've given you my spirit. I've given you my word. I've given you the church. Discipline. Faith. If you fall, get up and keep going. Tell somebody about me. So when you look at Luke 24, verse 47, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in my name to all the nations. And you look at 2 Corinthians 6, 17, I think it is. Come out from among them and be separate. We, We have no business telling others unless this reality is ours. Otherwise, we're a hired hand, and anybody could do that. So come out from among them, and then tell others about me. So before we go any farther, this is the value of the local church. If you're at home today, just get alone with God right here. Every head bowed for just a moment, as a matter of fact. No one looking around. This is a moment of truth. 
Some here or some at home are thinking, man, I'm in no condition to be telling anybody about Jesus because of my life. But now's your your day. Now's your time to make it right with God. Either accept the Lord or renew your commitment to the Lord. So I'm just going to ask those that are here, if that's you, just raise your hand or look at me real quick so that I would know that, that this is you. God's dealing with you about this. Anyone at all? Okay, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you over there. Praise God. This is important. This is really good. This is refreshing. This is renewing to our spirit. So, Father, Lord, before we go any farther, we want to thank you for sending Jesus to die for our sins. And, Lord, whether it's the first time or maybe just a renewal, we receive you as our personal Lord and Savior today. We confess our sins before you. Ask you, Lord, forgive us, cleanse us again, and fill us now with your Holy Spirit, that we would live a life that's pleasing to you. We thank you for it, O God. We give you praise for it. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. So at the Last Supper, Jesus took bread and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is is given for you. Later, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11, when you partake of communion, a couple of things. He said, look back at the cross. Remember the cross. Remember what Jesus did for you. He said to look forward, to do this until Jesus comes back again. So look back, look forward. He said, do it with a clear conscience in your heart towards God. Look inward. Make sure there's peace with you and God. He said, look outward. Make sure there's peace within the body of Christ. As far as you're concerned, be at peace with everyone. Then you're in the right position to take communion. So on that note, we're going to partake. Everyone have your little setup? Everyone have your bread? Let's give thanks. Father, Lord God, thank you for the broken body of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus for allowing your body to be pierced and broken and punched and spat upon and pierced with a spear and a crown of thorns and nails in your hands and feet, oh God. Thank you, Lord, that you gave your life, you gave your body, you took all the punishment that we so rightly deserve. You took it all upon your body that we could just walk away scot-free. Thank you, Lord, that by your death we have life. So thank you, Jesus, for your obedience. And Lord, as we partake of the bread today, we're reminded of who you are and that you're coming back again. And we're also reminded that part of the great commissioning is to do this and to spread this word over all the world until you come back again. Help us, Lord, to do that. But we thank you, Lord, for your broken body that we could be made whole in Jesus' name. Let's partake of the bread together. And then Jesus took the cup after the supper and said, this is the cup of the new covenant in which there is remission of sins. And then some 35, 40 days later, he said, go into all the world and preach remission of sins. Lord, we who have received, we're now commissioned to go. And we thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for your shed blood. Thank you that you said yes when you could have said no. Thank you that you said yes, you endured the shame and you, 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 you endured the cross for the joy that was set before you. Thank you, Lord, that by your stripes and by your blood, we are healed spiritually, emotionally, physically. We're healed by your blood. And so, Lord, we, we accept that. We believe that. We Remember it today by this act of communion. We pray, Lord, that as we partake of this juice, that the reality of what you did for us will burn in our heart, mind, soul, and spirit. 
And Lord, if anyone is sick, we pray that they would become healed. If anyone is troubled, we pray that right now they would have peace of mind. If anyone is confused, Lord, we pray that they would have clarity right now as we obey you in communion. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for all you've done for us. In Jesus' name. Let's partake of the cup together. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Praise God. Let's stand together if we can. So glad that you were here today. Thank you everyone on live stream for joining us. Uh, We will be meeting at Inglesby Farm at 2 o'clock over in West Boxford. So join us if you can. We'll be back on live stream tonight at 6, praying for our country. We'll be here tomorrow night at 6.30, in-house tomorrow night, praying for the election as well. Let's pray. Father, Lord God, thank you for this day. Lord, this has been a good day in your house. Thank you, Lord, that everyone got up and out of the house, even though the time change kind of makes everyone feel a little funny. Thank you that we're here, and we're here to worship and hear your word today. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Father, I pray that throughout this month of November, you would really speak to the heart of this congregation regarding our role in supporting missions and our missionaries. We pray, Lord, for every one of those missionaries, 33 right now, another six or seven waiting. We pray, Lord, that you would meet their every need, whether it's financial, emotional, spiritual, whatever it is, their family needs, their kids, whatever, good health. And Lord, just continue to bless them and Keep them on track to do what you've called them to do. Let us play a part in their calling as well. So thank you, Lord, for this. I pray your blessing upon the congregation, upon those at home. We pray, Lord, for a good afternoon at the Inglesby uh, Farm and a good prayer meeting tonight as well. And Lord God, bless this presidential election on Tuesday. Let your will be done, O Lord. But Father, you've got to know our heart. No matter who's elected president of the United States, we will continue to serve you with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. We'll go forward in the things of God regardless. We just pray that your will be done in this election. So we thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Hope to see you at the farm at 2. If not, we'll see you on live stream.